Hi, teacher leaders. I'm Natalie. And I'm Margaret. And you're listening to Paw Print Pause. This is a podcast for teachers. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to be with y'all today discussing social emotional learning and trauma informed care. Before we get started, Nat, do you want to introduce our guests? Yes. Uh, today we have Dr. Hector Lopez and Mrs. Miranda Dvorak with us. These are uh, leaders from Crossroads Academy. That's our, our alternative high school here in Uvalde. Uh, Miranda, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I would love to share that with you guys. Um, this is my third year as the school counselor at Crossroads Academy High School. Um, I take every opportunity that I can to tell everyone that this is the best job I've ever had. Um, and the reason that this is the best job I've ever had is that I get to see students um, achieve their goals and learn to believe in themselves and their accomplishments and it is truly rewarding. Um, Dr. Lopez is over here gesturing um, that he is also the reason this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> so I feel like I must uh, let you guys know that um, we do work with, I have an incredible um, staff and team and administration at Crossroads and we are also extremely grateful to be supported by Uvalde CISD. We could not ask for more support from the district. Um, we know that uh, uh, we, the work we do is intensive and takes a lot of resources and it is working. Uh, we've had 94 graduates in the first two years and uh, every single one of those students has been um, a special place in our hearts and we are so happy to see them moving forward in their lives. Um, this is my 13th year in education. Uh, there have been some stops and starts along the way from my own social emotional learning, I guess you could say, but I love being in education and I love uh, learning. Uh, I'm also a doctoral student in the UTSA uh, Educational Leadership and Policy Studies program, and I'm thrilled to be doing that and getting to learn more. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, gosh. You guys are doing such good stuff. I, I want to jump into it. Okay. Exactly. Dr. Lopez, though, before we get going, tell us a little bit about your background and how you started education, how you ended up here, too. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate being here. I'm a, we're fans of the podcast, for sure, and just really excited. As somebody who listens to podcasts, just really excited that UCISD is kind of growing and developing with that medium, and y'all are doing a great job. Uh, so really honored to be here. Uh, this is a real fortunate position for me uh, at Crossroads. We are, uh, this is a full circle position. So I'm a graduate from XL Academy High School. Uh, you know, bounce made eight high school changes in four years between Chicago and some rough stuff over there and grandma's house over here in Uvalde. Uh, and so really fortunate, Dr. Harrow was my principal. Uh, at XL Academy at that time. He was the first principal to hire me as a teacher at Uvalde High School. And so, you know, when when this idea came up and Dr. Harold talked to me about it, it was uh, just a really special thing in my mind. I hadn't thought about it in my career, you know, that idea of coming full circle. But uh, when the opportunity presented itself, it, it was just incredible. And I'm so blessed to work with our team. Uh, I learned so much from them. I mean, just every day is an incident, every day is new learning. And, you know, from our counseling staff to our teachers, just really incredible that we have such pockets of expertise throughout that I can call on, that I can learn from. Uh, we learn from our families, from our students. But, uh, you know, just just really blessed to come to work every day. It's one of those things where you, where you come and it's exciting. Uh, me and uh, Ms. Mahdi talk about consistently how, how busy the work is, but it's never boring. It's always exciting. 
you know, those 94 graduates represent 94 individual stories with backgrounds and, and of high interest and, you know, so much to bring to a community as they move forward. So uh, just, just an awesome place to be uh, and really excited every day at the opportunity we have. Right. I'm getting like chills every time they talk. This is going to be. Such I know a good we're going to end up. In, we're going to be emotional throughout this. Throughout I'm the sure. whole thing. So, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the brainchild that is Crossroads Academy? Kind of how some background on your campus and the students you serve there. So we serve 100% at-risk students at Crossroads. So our students come to us from a variety of situations. Initially, I think we assumed that we would mostly be dealing with students with academic difficulties or students who were teen parents or students who had had legal troubles, things like that. One thing we did not anticipate and we have learned a lot and really worked hard at to improve on is working with students who simply uh, have uh, mental health issues perhaps is a good way to describe it. Students who can't tolerate being in the larger high school environment. Um, so we have found that some of our students have had mental health struggles. Maybe they have had um, hospitalizations in the past. Maybe they suffer from PTSD or generalized anxiety disorder. Um, different situations like that that make the high school not necessarily the best fit for them and has caused, some diff caused difficulties and disruptions in their educational process. And so that was something that we picked up on within, I would say, the first month or two of our work was something that we really like, needed. Like, oh, there's a different dynamic here. Right, right. It was, and, and we knew that there was some of that coming to us, but we didn't quite anticipate it. So our first year was really a learning curve with that and in creating systems to support those students. And Dr. Lopez and I are working to refine those things. Um, we're actually, uh, we were accepted uh, to talk at the national conference on advancing school mental health so we have made mental health a part of our focus and so that includes to talk about crossroads what we try to do is empower students to work at their own pace and make their own choices to really find that locus of control in their lives so that they can uh so that they can be their own person, so that they can take charge of their education, so that they can take ownership of it. And it it is working. We think it's working. Um, and we have evidence of that. But the, the nuts and bolts are that we have five full-time teachers, so we'll never have a student-teacher ratio more than 1 to 15. Um, our students have freedom of movement among the classrooms, and they also have freedom, and choice, freedom of choice in the way that they pursue their graduation plan. So the students are in control of their learning. We do have to make some concessions for star testing and things like that. So they have a star test they have to do. They have to go work with a teacher for that. But otherwise, they have a lot of choice in what they do. Yeah, I'd just like to add. So she talked about how you know we, we started this, and that dynamic wasn't something we were anticipating on the front end. But as we, as we encountered, we also, in our very first year, encountered the pandemic. And we, know, we all know and have experienced in our own lives just how much mental drain and mental challenge are accompanied by that. So as we were developing uh, some goals and some, some, some focus on improving our support for mental health, all of a sudden came this giant need for you know, mental health that was you know, unprecedented, I think, right. in, in our history. 
Uh, and so I think just being at the right place at the right time, uh, you, again, you just kind of go back to just feeling blessed. Like, you know, none of us really planned this. It was very much, you know, something that we, 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 were, we fell into. And because we see the situation and the need, we saw the situation and the need, and we work well as a team, uh, we were able to really begin to say, okay, let's, let's move forward on this. We have a goal now to, to present or to, to send out proposals for two to four conferences per year, right? And the reason for that is not to be out there, you know, touting ourselves, but each time you do that as a professional, you have to strive because you're going to compete against the best people in the world, right? People who are also striving and trying to do all these things. And so just by that exercise of putting together something, we become better principals, better counselors, right, better right. teachers, and that's going to work for the for our community for our students right uh so we're really really fortunate that it's kind of a confluence of time no one's fortunate that the pandemic hit but you know the fact that we are learning from this and learning together through this so much that we do each day we go home and try to you know we learn in our own lives and practice that and apply that and then bring that back to our students talk about that and share with them you know our own struggles so we know yeah, we might look put together on the outside, but you know we're not. You know right. we're all struggling and challenging. So we share that, and they they understand. You know, hopefully empathize, and, and we grow together that way. Yeah, you talked about um, being blessed, and I think that this district, before we even get into the nitty gritty, like this district is so blessed to have the two of you who are so passionate. The community benefits so much from this high school, and your work speaks for itself. So I, we're blessed to have you guys. I agree. And I think you said, you know, it makes you better as you go out and present, but it, this is an important message. Like what you guys are talking about is important because like we're sitting at our other schools, that's where we're at most of the time. And we see these same issues that you're talking about in the general population of students and how easy it is. It's so easy for for a student to feel overwhelmed or to just be like just sliding by. Um, and so I think there's a lot to be said about what you guys have developed and what has come from this idea of Crossroads Academy High School because you have 94 graduates. You're, I can't wait till we get to celebrate the 100th. I hope we have a party. Oh, yeah. yeah we share, a, yes. We're, we we're planning for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know when we're getting close. I'm so excited for you guys. I mean, I'm excited to jump into this. Do you want yeah. to go ahead and go? Thank yes. y'all. So today we're discussing social and emotional learning along with trauma-informed care. Trauma is defined as any event that is more overwhelming than which is ordinarily expected. Um, I know that you guys have really championed these concepts within our district and beyond. Um, Miranda, do you want to tell us a little bit about what trauma-informed care is? Sure. So um, there are five main principles in trauma-informed care uh, for the students, and those are safety, choice, collaboration, trustworthiness, and empowerment. Newer models also include systemic oppression in talking about trauma. Um, people often forget that, you know, systemic oppression can cause generational trauma for, for certain groups. So we live these in everything that we do at Crossroads. Every rule that is that we have, which uh, are not huge, we don't have a huge number of, of rules, but everyone is explained to students in terms of this rule is because we care about you and here's how we're showing it. Um, uh, everything that we do is, is that, and we want to help them make the best decisions and help them stay out of their own way, and every conversation is framed that way. Um, we tell our students that we love them all the time, and at first it is a little weird for them, um, but they get used to it once they learn to trust us. And so 
Trauma-informed care means taking those situations into account and putting relationship above content every single time. That's so powerful. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to recover after all y'all's answers because, <laughs> yeah. no, because it's, it's so meaningful. It's so powerful. We don't talk about this stuff enough. No. You know, it's like kind of like. It's, I think it's funny to us because I think we talk about it all the time. You do. You talk about, and that's what's cool. And look at how, look at what's happening. Right. And the effect on us, we're like, it's so deep. It's so meaningful, and we need to do it. Well, more. we have teachers when we like we work as blended learning specialists, right? So we have teachers that will say that they're having a struggle with a student for one reason or another. My default is always, well, do you have a relationship with that student? What have you done to connect with them? So it's like. This is when we talk Maslow's. Like right. we, yeah, we're you know about this student yeah. How can you do it? How can you right. do anything beyond that? And like we talked about, I talked about this earlier this week at the high school too, because we were saying like as we're building relationships with teachers, we have to treat them the same way. Like a teacher is not going to trust us to give them support until they know that we care, until they feel safe around us, until they feel like, and that's a hard. In our role, it's very hard because. Since we work at the district level, sometimes people think that we're like spies or we're like coming in to, but we're just there to support. Like we're not anybody's right. boss. We're not administrators. We're support specialists. I think there's a bit of a misconception on that, that we expect teachers to come to us trauma-free right. and with um, with all the tools that they need to, to care for their students. And we forget that teachers can also react out of those same places of trauma. And so it's important for an admin to know and have that relationship with their teachers just the same way it is for a teacher to have those relationships with students. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, teachers are, are the backbone of everything we do. You know, the, the admin kind of get the, the press or we're the, the face of a, a campus so often, but when, and it's really visible at Crossroads, right? Each of our teachers is, is not just a content certified teacher. They're each a mentor teacher, and they have a, a, a roster of 10 to 15 students that they do have that relationship first and for, foremost with. So when we meet and discuss our lesson plans with our students, um, we, don't, we don't just start with lesson plans. We start with what was the communication for the week with the student, with the student's home. Uh, you know, what is behind absence A and absence B or decline or rise in learning what is the, the human side behind that? And so we have a lot of discussions that don't often happen other places. And I know it's a we're, again, blessed and fortunate that we have the, the, the ability to focus on that. But I think this also, many of these things can be implemented in scale, you know, through some creativity, through some thinking. And I know across the district, lots of principals, you know, our entire team of principals has some strategies and things like that. Uh, and, you know, it's just it's it's a really it's a really different place to be in in that um, we we look at that relationship first and foremost uh, as a principal with your teachers we like I started off earlier talking about that you know we might come to school and get out of a vehicle and we have that certificate on the wall and that degree uh, you know but we all having you know to go home and take care of that child who also got sent home from school or you know, deal with the parent, uh, you know, some family loved one that is going through illness at this time or going through some, 
some challenges. And so, you know, we're, we're carrying multiple things. And as an administrator, that's kind of one of my biggest roles and most important roles. Because if I can try to take care of that teacher, try to help and support that teacher uh, or that staff member, then that staff member is going to do so much work that, that I can, so much more good than I could possibly bring on my own. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I agree with you. I think our team, our admin team at the district level does, um, think outside the box and care for their teachers. Um, if there was one strategy that you could snap your fingers and implement for all admin at UCISD to implement across their campuses, what would it be? I, I think we have an incredible example, and I know it's going to sound like Ron knows, and it absolutely is not, but I told you a little bit about how unique my relationship is with Dr. Harrell, having been my principal when I was at probably the most struggling point in my adolescence, uh, and then our relationship moving forward from there. Uh, but he walks and communicates with that care where you know it's genuine. I don't know that there is, you know, an individual who cares more about a town, a community, and the people in that community as Dr. Harold does for, for Uvalde. And so when you see that and live that each day, you know, it's easy to get behind that care. And then to do the work. So you start with that idea of love and care. It's at the forefront of our mission, right? And then you understand what is the work that has to come from this love and care. You know, so if you have some staff members that are, you know, going through some major struggles, how can we support these staff members? How can we utilize and pull our resources? So, you know, if you can, if we begin with that idea of love and care, uh, then we strategize to make sure that that is a part of everything we do. And it, it, just the way you move, you know, it's, it's, it's the way he sets that precedent of movement. I think it becomes inspiring and then you want to do more. You want to move more in that way, right? Uh, so I, I think... That's a big one. I, you know, Mr. C, I was fortunate to go to his barbecue, Mr. Contreras, over at the Dual Language Academy, and he had his wife out there at his barbecue. Uh, he started with with a prayer and, you know, connected his family and his own experience to his entire team. That's a much bigger team, right? But that's that care I'm talking about. You start with that. You let people know how human you are and how your chief concern is the, the other human beings so we can kind of come together and, and do the good work that is necessary. And it's hard work. Yeah. So the more we can support each other, check our pulses. Yeah. And really it sounds like you're talking about authenticity. You're just talking about being real and being, sometimes we have to make our, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be trans, being transparent isn't always easy, but it's so critical in building relationships that people know that you're human too. Especially in building relationships with adolescents and with children because they can spot a fake yeah. a, a mile away. And, and they don't buy it. And so, yeah, absolutely, showing that vulnerability to your students is part of building that relationship. Um, and, and telling them, you know, not your whole life story, but if it's relevant to what you're doing, showing them that you're a person with a life, mm -hmm. and, um, and then they start to care about you too. Mm -hmm. um, we greet our students every day and, and it's so lovely when you, know, you say, good morning, how are you today? And they tell you how they're doing and then they say, and how are you? You know, and, and they're so, they're so sweet and kind. And so many of our students have had a really hard time forming those relationships with, with teachers and staff. And, and it's, it's just that ethic of care for them. So um, Miranda, as counselor, um, you, your role is huge. Um, 
for some of these kids in our low SES community, what have you learned about how to approach um, them through the lens of trauma-informed care? So much. <laughs> um, the, the students teach me every day, and I think what I would say to any others who ask me is to never make assumptions about our students and what their lives are like. And to, there are, to build that relationship with your students so that they can talk to you and tell you what's going on and to maintain and, and to maintain not being judgmental at all times with them. They've had enough people judge their lives or judge their families or, or all, any of those things. And so it, to be open and honest and thoughtful and to let them know that they are cared for and all of those things have supported the work we do. I'm also, again, the district has supported us in so many ways. And one of the ways that they've supported us is that four days a week, we have Ms. Melissa Alejandro on staff with us as a, and she is the family student support counselor. She's also a licensed clinical social worker. And that is a perfect fit for us at Crossroads because many times our students need a connection to social services in our community. And she is able to help us make that happen. And we make sure that students and their families have access to the resources that they need. Because I do think another thing that we've learned is that we can't be everything for these students. It's just not humanly possible. And so we have to reach out and make these connections. And we've built connections with others in the community over the years to find support. You know, when that student has moved suddenly and doesn't have clothes, well, you know, now we keep a clothes closet at Crossroads, we have a whole classroom full of donations. But we also know that if there's an emergency situation, we have a wonderful partner in St. Philip's Episcopal Church, and they have supported us tremendously. So it's building those connections. Crossroads Community Church has been supportive of us also, and we've had many wonderful people who've come in and asked if they can help us. And cultivating those relationships has really helped us as a school. And to make us be a fixture in the community. I think that's one thing that we all want is to be something that people think of when there's a kid in trouble. Let me call Crossroads and see if they can help. And and we are we hear that um, and now and it's growing and, and we want that and we want more of that. We want to be there. We want to be that resource and we want to help people find those connections. Yeah and you you asked earlier about one of the things the administrator does or what are some of the things the administrator does to, to foster the ethic of care and then to support your team through that you know as much as we have conversations we do restorative practice where we have circle as, as, a, as a team and model those processes we want to share with the students but those become real therapeutic conversational sessions and, and you can see that the team has that trust to share it around each other's lives but the so we have we have at the same time that we're supporting we have a staff that understands that you have certain limits and this this team consistently goes beyond those limits right and so there's that worry about exhaustion or stress or you know you go you, you put everything into you know a student or a group of students and then the outcomes don't come out the so it's the way you expect and that can be so deflating so that's one of the biggest things i do is is you know sit down after you know we we put this effort and the strategy we, we've taken the you know saturday midnight calls and you know we've been out at the park to see if our student is safe because we've heard they've been unsafe at a certain location. So we're, we're doing some unorthodox things, right? Uh, and extending ourselves in ways that, that are a little outside the bounds of, you know, outside the box. And so it's always important that we go back and check on our, on our folks who, who are 
100% of your heart is into something because it's not always, even though we have the best intentions and you do everything and you're learning from all those experiences, it's gonna, it's not gonna work every single time. And when it doesn't work, making sure you're there to support each other through that process and have those conversations around, hey, you know, and, and I know it's just as I'm talking about this, you, we can kind of replay some stories that have really happened, you know, where we, you know, folks have done things and just surprised me at what our team is doing. You know, when they put, when, when our teachers put something in their planner discussing a conversation that I had no idea that no one in the world would ever have an idea about, but they put that in there and it shows the extent to which our team has become a fabric in the life of students. And it takes that for so many of the kids. It took it for me for sure. You know, I, I talk about eight high school changes. I talk about some of the things I, you know, that, that go in, whatever, whatever, what is behind that? You know, there's so much behind that. There's so many bad choices and, and bad idols or role models that you're kind of following uh, that you really need somebody who has time for you, right? And again, we're really blessed that we have those, you know, 10 to 15 to 1. Not every teacher, you know, when I was at UHS, you know, 130 students, 180 students in a typical day, you cannot, it's not humanly possible to foster that relationship with 180 people, but it does take everyone. Collectively, that's where the coaches are so important. The, the band directors and you know theater, the, the the elected teachers, where students find their passions. Often, you know, if, if those folks are, are mentor teachers as well, and they're doing that work, right? Uh, you know, just trying our best to support that work because it, it is exhausting. It, it doesn't stop, right? It, it, now the school year seems to run from August to August, right? And, and it, it, there's not really that break. We run right into summer school. If we don't graduate by May 27th or whatever our graduation date, we, we're still pushing until the end of that uh, June semester. And we work with students who just don't quite make it in June semester and we're still kind of calling them. They're coming in whenever we have anybody on staff to try to finish up and move forward. So. Yeah. As y'all are talking, obviously I got emotional while you're talking right now. But, I mean, I know students personally who have graduated from Crossroads that I had as seventh graders or eighth graders or ninth graders that struggled and had these same issues and found solace at Crossroads. So it's like making me emotional, but at the same time, I also know of kids who haven't found Crossroads or still have, and you guys did everything you could. And they didn't, you know, it's like, I think that you're speaking to something that's really important because we're not perfect and we're not going to get it right every single time. And, but it, it still makes a difference for us to try, you know, like these efforts are not, you know, they're, they're, it's so easy to feel defeated as an educator when we have those, those, you know, we, we right. tend to forget the wins whenever we have a few losses in our own. Right. right. So, so one thing that I think we have also really grown into in the last three years is the idea of being relentless um, with our students. And, and we've been using that word a lot more this year. And uh, we joke with them, you know, when they come in for their first interview, um, we, we, we are, we haven't given up on anyone yet. Um, we have not done it. Um, a couple have aged out, and we. But if they have been our student at any point in time, every time we have an orientation, we call them and ask them if they want to come back. Uh, we send a postcard, you know, every time we have a graduation, and say, "Hey, you could be next." We um, we uh, when our students are absent, and we start seeing a pattern of absences. We go to their homes and we call their grandma and we'll go to their job. And we just have really become 
relentless. And, and that took, personally, that took a little bit of me getting used to it. I've been on some home visits, but never the amount that, you know, we've done now. Um, we'll, we are just relentless about getting kids there and trying to get them to finish. And this past summer, for instance, we had, you know, a couple of students that we didn't see all school year last year. And then we finally got them and they came back in the summer and they finished, you know, and, and so it, I think it's very meaningful to me that when I tell that student, we're not going to give up on you. I have proof in my mind. I know that I'm telling that student the truth. We're not going to give up on you. And it, it, that little tidbit of just keep, keeping going, it just makes a difference. And we have the capacity to do it, you know, because of our staff and because of our team and because of the support that we get from the district and because of the success we've seen. So everything is kind of snowballing and building. Right. And um, I know that Nikki um, Henderson, our family specialist, talked about this during our summer road trip, but that idea of be the one, um, and it's the idea of, you know, be the one person it just takes one right so especially you know um i saw aces on the agenda yes that was a question we wanted so to ask the, so you know the adverse childhood experiences scale we find that um our students rank very highly as do most students these days um and and the reason that adverse childhood experiences or aces are are dangerous uh, and that we need to do something about them is that all of these represent negative outcomes later in life, whether it's health issues like heart attacks, hypertension, high cholesterol, strokes, uh, substance abuse, all of those things. And we, um, the only resilience factor that you can guarantee to make a difference is to have um, a trusted adult in a student's right. life. Um, and so, I think, you know, there's the, certainly the idea of being the one. I think that that can be a little exhausting if you're the yeah. one for every kid. So we try to all be the ones. And you're creating a system of support. You're, you're showing kids, too, like, there's more than you. Know, like, you've got me, but there's also a bunch of other people who may not even know you by name, but they care. Like, you mentioned the churches, the local churches, local community organizations. Mm -hmm. Like, these are people who care about whether or not you're successful and whether or not you're able to graduate right. and go out into the community and feel like you can be productive and you can be successful, whatever that is for you. Yeah, you guys are doing awesome work. I think that um, I heard you guys talk about assumptions earlier, and I think that I, I just wanted to touch on that because I think that with it seems to be like not making assumptions is is a big part of trauma-informed care. Just understanding that we don't understand everything. Understanding that there there's always going to be something. Always an underlying issue. Yeah. And we talked about it with staff. We talked about it with students. So I just. Yourself. Like, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's important that, and Margaret and I have just been working together for the last few months. And we already know, like when one of us comes in, it's easy to be like, okay, yeah, it might be a bad day or, you know, but we have to start learning how to extend that grace to people that we don't know or people that we may not know as personally, especially our students. It's extremely important. And, and when I was in the classroom as a classroom teacher, one of the things that I struggled with was maybe sometimes hearing other teachers say, these students should know this, mm -hmm. that they should know, they should, they should, they should. And that can just be so dangerous because whether they know it or not, you have the opportunity right now to help them. And and I think that's something that we do a good job of at Crossroads. Yeah, and uh, you guys mentioned that these, even that, that word these, I hear that very often, right? Oh, there's a Crossroads kid or that. 
and, and there there is no one type. And we we deal with students who have almost identical pathways. If you look at them on paper, if you just look at the experiences they had, yeah. right? But it's how you internalize those experiences, how you perceive them, and we all do that differently, mm -hmm. right? There is no person. I'm sure there's multiple folks who who walk similar pathways to me, right? Uh, who've had these kind of experiences, but. I, I know there's no other me, right? And just like that person does it. So, uh, you know, there is no one type of crossroads kid. Uh, and our crossroads students are going to be and already are. We have uh, uh, crossroads graduates from that 94 who are already out in the front lines in the service, right? Who have already gotten their first college uh, degree or certificate and are already practicing in our community. We have uh, crossroads graduates who are now better mothers and fathers because they have that high school diploma behind them. Uh, and, and not just that, but the crossroads experience, right? That, that understanding that there are folks who care about you, you know, who will, will be relentless and tireless and they're pushed to help you out. Uh, and, and, and once you have that, there's no real going back. Again, when I have a lot of reasons to, to, to choose the wrong path, and I didn't choose the wrong path a lot of times. But coming back here and working for Dr. Harold first at the high school, right, working for Uvalde in this community that did so much to change my trajectory was huge. And I know that when we do that with students, we have the chance to foster that in more folks, right? Foster that care and support where, you know, sometimes they say, oh, it's just Uvalde, right? It's not just Uvalde. This is a community that means so much to so many people, right? It's a community that has so many children, so many, you know, family members who are important to matter. So, uh, you know, the more we can breed success mm -hmm. and share our true selves with, with our students and their families, the more chance we have to, to continue to foster that, that new pipeline. And we'll, we'll be gone soon enough, right? There'll be other folks sitting down in our seats. Uh, and we want those folks to, to have been touched at least a little bit by something we, we might have done or, or something we might have established. I love that. And also, so Dr. Harrell was also our principal. We graduated the same year from high school and he was our principal. Yeah, so we were his last graduating class. So we have that connection. And then two of your staff members um, were also our high school teachers as well. Ms. Bowles and Mr. Gar um, were our high school teachers. So it's funny, right? Talk Uvalde, about full circle. Full circle, yeah. And you know, we, we talk about Uvalde being this community. There's so many connections, and you guys are completing those connections and making sure that those connections continue no matter their circumstances. Mm -hmm. So it's it's incredible work that you're doing. Yeah, guys, we can't say thank you enough for being here. This was an awesome chat. Um, thank you. We're thank super. You. Yeah, yeah, I'm like overwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, we got so much more in than we even expected. You guys, um, I think that whatever, the first thing I want to say is um, whatever we can do to help. We, I mean, we share a campus. I support secondary now. And so it's like, let's whatever I can do to help with technology, whatever we can do to help in general, um, whatever we can do to help spread this message, because what you guys are doing at Crossroads is awesome. So, so many of your, your tips and your um, what you guys mentioned today benefits every teacher across the district, mm -hmm. not just your staff. Um, so yeah, y'all are awesome. Yes. Thank y'all for everything thank you, you do. And thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank, thank y'all very much for having us. Thank it was you. awesome. Thank you. And for this week's tip, we want to encourage you to make a Canva for Education account. 
Just go to canva.com education to sign up for free as an educator today. Whether you're a teacher or a student, Canva for Education makes it easy to create, collaborate, and communicate visually in the classroom and beyond. It is 100% free for K-12 educators and their students. We use it for absolutely everything. Um, there's tons of templates and awesome stuff that you can use that I think you will really enjoy. And Margaret and I would love to help you if you are wanting to dive in. Check it out. Thanks for joining us this week. As always, follow us on Twitter at BlendedUCISD. Or you can also follow our personal accounts at NatAdiasTX and at Tarski underscore Margaret. Don't forget to tweet out your thoughts on this week's episode using our hashtag pawprintpause. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you soon.